Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. And the mortar, you know, breaking apart, it, it was all dumped in, in a big trash heap. They're trying to pick up these big, large stones and rebuild the wall in the midst of all of this stuff that's, you know, up to their knees probably. And, and they're getting very frustrated and they're getting disappointed that the work is taking longer and it's harder. Um, have you ever felt like that, by the way? Have you felt like the faster you work, the more behind you get? Uh, you know, uh, things that you didn't plan for? I can remember pulling apart a uh, wall in a, in a house that I lived in many years ago that I was trying to, um, re, you know, rebuild and um, thinking it was going to be an easy weekend job. But when I, when I pulled the wall open, it, it was just a mess behind the wall. There were leaky pipes and, and it ended up being, you know, costing me thousands of dollars more than I'd planned and, and a lot more weeks than I had planned for. Sometimes you start the work and it's not going along like you had planned and certainly that's the story we're looking at here sometimes we need just to reevaluate our priorities and get rid of anything that's weighing you down you know it's hard to do do the work of the lord if you're carrying around baggage from your past life uh, much of the stress weight we carry around with us that feels uh, that bring brings us to feeling disappointed can be thrown off if we'll ask god's god for help and remember who we've become as Christ followers. Guilts like past failures, past disappointments, and past wounds that we regularly find ourselves dwelling on. Get rid of them. You're not designed to carry them. You know, I, I use them like, I, I use the metaphor like this. You know, you got a backpack on. And when you come, you know, before you come to Christ, that backpack is full of rocks. And it's overwhelming. Yes, you can walk and you can, you can function, but it is hard to do so. You're tired all the time. You're in pain all the time. But when you come to Christ, he bids you to take that off because he died for everything in your past. All your failures, your past, present, and future are all paid for by the blood of Christ. And yet we want to try to serve the Lord with that backpack on. And he's saying, no, 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 it's not going to work like that. It doesn't work like that. Talked to somebody a few days ago who um, just out of frustration came to me and said, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't have this peace that you're talking about. And I've been a Christian for years now. When is this going to happen? So as we began to talk about it, we just lit upon this subject, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit made it happen. And um, we talked about the backpack and carrying all these stones in that backpack. How come you're still doing that? Well, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. Well, that's true. I don't know what you've done, but I know that God's grace will cover anything you can name. I mean, period. That's a fact. You can't out God's grace. That's an impossibility. And so uh, they shared something that they thought would shock me. It didn't. <laughs> you know, when you're a cop for 20 years, there's not a lot of things you can tell me that are going to shock me. Man, you know, watch, somebody will do it right after church, but... <laughs> And, and, and so what they shared, I said, yeah, okay, well, he died for that too. And, and you know what? By the way, you now have a platform that you can reach others that have done that or been involved in that. And that began to change their thinking. Listen, stop with the guilt and, and go get the grace and start you working out of grace. And God will take you to wonderful places. There will be people that just 
cry when they when you tell them your story that God did in your life it gives them hope as well for their own life Hebrews 12 1 tells us this therefore or because of this he just talked about um, Christ's return we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight not most of them or, or, or all of them except for that one thing that I can't forgive myself for. All, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Where are our eyes when we're looking backwards at what we've done in the past? You know, w- w- Our eyes can't be backwards if God's taking us forwards. Our eyes need to be on Jesus, the author of Hebrews says. And oftentimes these weights of past failures become so familiar to us that we even forget that we have them. The backpack hurts our back. It prevents us from doing what God wants us to do. And yet we forget it's even on our back until we, you know, we have one of those uh, come to Jesus moments where, uh, you know, where we're thinking about a past failure. We just got to let that go. God goes, what are you talking about? I buried those in the deepest sea. Let go of them. I don't remember them. Why do you? I have all this work for you to do. So throw the backpack at the foot of the cross and let's go forward here. You know, can I get an amen with that? A lot of nodding heads this morning. We got to set those things aside. Release them every time they come to mind. Jesus said he came to make all things new, not 98%, not 99%. He didn't come to make all things new except for that one thing that you have in your past. No, he died for it all and it covers it all, period. Remember the comparison I use regularly about the windshield and the rear view mirror. Listen, do we need a rear view mirror? You betcha. And occasionally I do glance up into my life's rear view mirror because I like to remember where I came from, what I was saved from, remember who I was apart from Christ so that I get my, my motivation right. And, and then I also am encouraged to when I look backwards and go, only you, God, only you, only you could bring me here, only you. But listen, I don't drive my car looking in the rearview mirror for very long. Why? Because the same thing we're talking about, the backpack. I'm looking out the front windshield. That's where I'm going. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm aware of it, but I'm going this way because God's taking me there. That's why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. So you need to keep your focus on the, out the front windshield, both practically and spiritually. <laughs> Well, number one, we've seen the enemy of fatigue. Number two, the enemy of disappointment. And now we see, number three, the enemy of fear. I think this is the number one thing that the enemy uses is fear. And by the way, if you're still carrying your backpack, if you're still carrying that thing that, if you, it, that you, you just don't want anyone to find out that this happened or you did this or, or didn't do this, listen, the enemy will use that as a way to bring fear into your life. Why? Because you're afraid that someone's going to find out about that. And what this person shared, it was substantial. But God died for that, and we need to lay that aside. And once you come out with this and share it with someone, guess what? The enemy can't use it as a fear tactic against you. You've already played the card that he's threatening to play. You've already laid the card down. 
And you got people that, that are going to encourage you. You can walk forward now in freedom. You can do the, the work that he has for you. So the enemy of fear, the enemies of the, of the Lord's work had struck fear into the hearts of these Jews that are trying to rebuild their wall, and they felt like giving up. Remember what they said uh, in verse 10, they said, we're not able to build the wall. So they go from, hey, let's build the wall. They're all excited with Nehemiah at the very beginning, but halfway through, they make this statement, we're not able to build the wall. And then fear spreads. Verse 11, and our adversaries said, they're quoting, they, these Jews come to Nehemiah and they're going to report what uh, Tobiah and, you know, and all these others had to say, Sanballat, and they said, listen, Nehemiah, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They were going to do a surprise attack. Nehemiah, what are we going to do? They're afraid now to go and work on their area of the wall by the, you know, where they live. Because they're afraid they're going to get killed right there. Verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Did you notice who's, who the families were that, that got afraid first? The ones that lived near the enemies, it says. They're the ones that were most fearful. The ones living closest to their enemies. The enemies of ridicule, oppression, fatigue, and disappointment will always try to lead us into a life of fear. So don't live near them. Move away. Make some space between you and those fear factors that we've got going here this morning. So how do we overcome discouragement in our lives? I want to spend the rest of the time on this. Let's look at Nehemiah and the people of God and what they did to get through their moment of discouragement. I've titled this Overcoming Discouragement in your notes. First, learn to fight from your knees. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He knew where his help and protection and power came from, and it came from God, and he sought him at every twist and every turn of the road in rebuilding this in rebuilding this wall. If you're rebuilding something in your life, if you're starting over, as our series is called, you got to do so in prayer. And you got to seek the Lord in prayer on a regular basis. Nehemiah's prayers have been referred to as arrow prayers. I like that. Arrow prayers. Because they're quick, short, and to the point. He doesn't go on for hours. He doesn't have time for that. His prayers are, bam, they, they're, you know, they're the, the quick little arrow that flies through the air, but very powerful. Nehemiah in 111, let me give you an example of some of these arrow prayers. 111, here's his prayer. Lord, he, now he just learned the walls had fall down, fallen down and the people were in disgrace. His, his family is in disgrace there back in Jerusalem. He's serving you know, at the king's pleasure as the wine cupbearer. And when he heard this, he just broke out with a prayer. And he says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. You know, he's in the wings right now, and he's about ready to go out and talk to the king. So he didn't have a lot of time here. The king's waiting on him. You don't keep kings waiting and he just says this prayer, give me favor in the sight of the king, and walks out. 
In Nehemiah 2, 4 and 5, we see a mini arrow prayer right in the middle of the conversation that I'm talking about with the king. So he walks out with the king. They begin this conversation. And at some point, the king said to Nehemiah, what is it you want? The king, you know, kings just cut to the chase. They don't want to hear the big, long story. What is it you want, Nehemiah? He said, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. That's, that's what you call an arrow prayer. Have you ever had a moment like that? You know, maybe, maybe your car's sliding sideways across the ice, you know, in winter. <laughs> God, help me. I've had arrow prayers like that. You have a lot of those, by the way, if you're a cop. You know, work in graveyard in a gang territory. There's those prayers, uh, they, they just come out every once in a while, you know, when your heart, you know, goes up to your, uh, your mouth. But arrow prayers are very effective, very effective, and they're enough if, if you don't have a lot of time. Throw up a prayer and ask God for help. In our chapter today, uh, Nehemiah prays in verse 4 and 5, he says this, now these guys are threatening them. And, and made fun of them, and now they've threatened to kill him. So Nehemiah says, hear us, uh, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity, <laughs> which they had been turned over to a land of captivity in Babylon. So, you know, what you did to us, do to them. <laughs> do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Nehemiah gets right to the point during a confrontation with his enemies. So learn to fight. I mean, that's, your, that's your primary tool in fighting. You're in a battle. If you're starting over, start over from your knees. Second, prepare a strategy for victory. You know, no great warrior just happens onto the battlefield with no battle plan. You know, any great general has always had a battle plan. Now, it's adjusted as it goes forward, but he has a plan to begin the battle. And so does Nehemiah in verse 13. Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I just want to pause for a minute and talk to you men in the audience right now. Don't forget that you're the leader of your family. Don't forget that God has placed you in a very strategic part of your family. You're the man. So you stand between what the world is doing and your family. Is this, is this brilliant, by the way? There's no man that will fight harder than when he's protecting his own family. So Nehemiah says, I stuck the men you're in front of their families. And, and, you know, so when these guys come to attack, you got to get through Papa. You got to get through Dad. And good luck with that one. That'll be a fight to the death. We need more men to do that. We need more men to stand up and go, not in my house. Uh-uh. You know, we need to stand up and protect our wives, our children, our grandchildren. We need to be the ones to do that. Every great warrior strategizes and has a plan for war before the battle begins, and so should we. Knowing where our weaknesses lie is critical to our plan, by the way, and we all have weaknesses. Nehemiah sets guards at the weakest points in the wall. He knows where the enemy is likely to come through to attack them. There's still portions of the wall where there's, you know, that are still gaping. 
You know, they're working on the wall, but they haven't got this section done yet. So there's holes in the wall. Nehemiah is smart enough to know this is where they're going to come from. That's where they're going to come from. We got to start plugging these holes up with, you know, with warriors. So do you know where your weaknesses are? Because if you don't, you're likely to get stuck. You're likely to fall down. And knowing them is invaluable for making a plan for success. Have you set guards in those spaces in your life that the enemy likes to come through? Sometimes it it might mean taking your computer and putting it in the living room where everyone can see it. Listen, if the enemy attacks you through your computer and you can't get rid of it because of your job, bring it into a public place so that everyone can see and there's some accountability. Sometimes it means asking for help from a friend. It may mean rescheduling your calendar so you can come to church more often, get encouraged, get filled up, and spend more time worshiping God together with fellow warriors. Listen, sometimes I come in here and I'm just, I'm just weak. I've been beaten down during the week. And then I meet some, with some of you guys and you encourage me and you, you pull me back up onto my feet. And yeah, I guarantee you, you're going to have your weeks when you walk in here not feeling it feeling tired and defeated. Listen, let the family of God, let your fellow warriors encourage you and, uh, to get back up and to get back into the battle. It may be setting up a quiet time with the Lord when you're most vulnerable. We all have that, the weaknesses, whatever it is. You know what yours is. When I said it, it probably popped into your head. And so whatever that weakness is, what could you put up against it uh, to overcome that? Maybe put your quiet time there. You know, for me, I get, well, the t- more tired I get in the evening, the weaker I get. You know, and the enemy can really pound on me with stuff. And, and then I'll go to bed and I'll stay awake, you know, for hours and hours just thinking about things and how, well, what if this happens? And I can't believe this happened. And, and you know, and so my mind starts racing and the enemy just has a ball with me, I'm sure. So getting into the word and talking about scripture for Debbie and I is so important. Uh, b- before we go to sleep, we, we have just the time together where it's just her and I and the Lord. Why? Because I want to sleep at night. I got too much work for tomorrow morning. <laughs> I can't stay awake. So maybe it's setting up a quiet time at, at that time. Uh, prayers of deliverance. Declaring scripture, God's sword when you're under fire, by the way. That's what Jesus did when Satan attacked him. He used scripture. Why shouldn't we? Calling some friends and requesting backup. Cranking out some Christian music in the house. Just let it ring. That's what I love to do. I hope you're not my neighbor and hate Christian music. But um, I, you know what? That, that, it it kind of just recharges my batteries. You know, and I, I find myself singing at the top of my lungs out there. And then seeking to live in constant relationship with the Lord. Not just moments like this. And then going home and forgetting but going home with the Lord in your back seat. Of course, the first step in overcoming discouragement is having a relationship with God. You can't do any of this apart from the Lord. And by the way, all of us at some point were fallen and apart from God. You know, sin entered into the world and it separated mankind from God. We could not have a relationship. We couldn't reach him because of sin. And so he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, down to pay the debt that you and I owed. 
He died on a cross. He shed his blood and that blood redeemed us. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. It was God's stamp of approval. Yes, my son, I take that. I accept what you just did. And he rose from the grave in victory so that you and I could see what the promise of heaven would be like. You, you and I too, if he delays long enough, we'll die. But we have the hope that we will rise again and that we'll be with Jesus in heaven. I hope you've made that decision. But if you haven't made that decision, you can make it right now. And in fact, I would encourage you, don't leave this building without making it. Because tomorrow or tonight even is not guaranteed to any of us. Today, right now, you have the opportunity to accept what Jesus did on the cross and make it yours. It's a gift. It's, Paul described it as a gift. And it's available now. It's not available after you die. It's available right now. It's so simple. Paul put it this way in Romans 10, 9, 11. He said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, the, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Do you believe on him? If you've never made that confession, do it now. Do it right now while the gift is available. If you're at home watching us online, you can do it right where you are. Make that confession of faith. Tell God you want what Jesus did on the cross to apply to your life, that you accept him, that you believe he died for your sin and three days later he was raised from the dead. If you do that, you become a Christian. And if you do that, we want to send you materials. We have a Bible and some, some material to help you start uh, next steps in your newborn faith here. And if you're here today, we'll give it to you as well and we'll disciple you. If you don't have somewhere in the valley to, um, to go to church and worship the Lord, we encourage you to come here to Restored Community Church and you're welcome to worship here. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's a two-edged sword, Lord. I pray that anyone in here that's facing um, just a storm would pick that sword up and declare your word loudly, Lord. Live in victory. I pray for those that may have uh, received Christ this morning. They would find a Bible-teaching church, and if they're here, come and let them be uh, encouraged here, discipled right here in our church. And Lord, for the rest of this that have already done that, help us to be mindful that, um, that this is coming to a close, that you are coming back soon. And the time for, for us to work is now. So Lord, let us leave here with the confidence and boldness of lions to go out with the love that you have and the promise on our lips that there is hope for the lost. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. We ran long. And sometimes I just get a little too fiery, I think, and, and I'm excited to share these things with you. And uh, But thank you for being great listeners this morning. Listen, if you prayed to receive Christ today, I want you to come up. We'll give you a free Bible. We'll give you some materials that will help you take those first steps in your new walk. If you did that and you're at home, be sure and email us, and we will send that to you. Uh, remember this too, that if you've wandered away and you've been gone a long time and maybe you've come back to church today, 
Today can be your new day to come back, to start all over like the prodigal son returning. God's got his arms open. He's waiting for you to come back and make today that day. And then also, if you're a, if you're a Christ follower already, we have a job to do. We, tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? Jesus could come back tonight. The one thing we can't do in heaven is evangelize. There's no need for it. And that's the one thing he told us to do before he came back. So be on the lookout for someone you can share Christ with. And I just want to leave here and, and with this thought. Pray for this bus company. They're just doing what, you know, what any unbeliever would do. And uh, pray for them, that their hearts would be changed and that they'd see love in our response. And then if it's not them, that God will provide someone else to do it, that he chooses. God bless you guys. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.